Welcome back to Blazing Trails. I'm Michael Revo from Salesforce Studios. And today I'm joined by my podcast partner, Rachel Levin. Welcome back to the show, Rachel. Good to be here, Michael. You're sounding a little froggy right now. How my are you feeling? My goodness. Oh, you know, I've been holed up here at home away from all germs. And then my little one went back to uh, preschool <laughs> and brought home a little something. So, yes. The Petri um, dish. The, the, the Petri <laughs> dish. Yes. So, everybody, I uh, hope you enjoy the scratchy voice that I have today. Well, today we are featuring a conversation with uh, Leah McGowan Hare, who hosts our Leading Through Change program, and Yo Yo Ma. It's a great, great episode that ran on our Leading Through Change program about a week ago. Rachel, is that? Yeah, yeah. I really like this episode because it's such a departure kind of from what we've been doing lately. And Yo Yo Ma gives us a lot of food for thought about how he grew during this time and really looked inward. And, you know, I thought he had some really interesting things to say about mindfulness and music and sound. And, you know, I don't know if our listeners know this, but, you know, Michael, you're a musician. So how, what did you, what did you get out of this? Well, you're using that term a little loosely, I, I think. <laughs> well, I'm not saying you're Yo-Yo Ma, but, you know, <laughs> you played at the Sweetwater, right? <laughs> I enjoy uh, trying to play a little music. You know, I remember back in March of 2020 at the beginning of the pandemic, we ran an episode called It's More Than a Concert with uh, Yo-Yo Ma. Mm -hmm. And Rachel, do you remember that one? Yeah, I do. I mean, I remember actually when I was coming for my job interview with you and I listened Mm -hmm. to that episode in prep. (laughs) And when we were in the interview, I said, hey, that was great. I loved hearing from him during this time, you know? That was a replay from the Salesforce Connections event that was in Chicago in 2019. And our timing is good because Connections is actually coming around again. It's on June 2nd this year. Mm -hmm. Registration is open, so go check out the details and learn all about how our customer 360 helps deliver the best experiences right now at salesforce.com slash connections. And it was just a, a wonderful moment. I remember being there in Chicago in the room. It was Soledad O'Brien and Yo-Yo Ma sitting in a room with several thousand people. And we have not been in a situation like that in a while. Right. And it was so powerful, the conversation they were having. And then when he performed and he was playing pieces and then they were talking and it was so fantastic. And I remember with all the news of having to be at home and everything that was happening with the pandemic that I thought about that moment Mm -hmm. as a wonderful respite from all this. And and that's how he decided to put that episode out. And now it's like, it's a bookend. You know, here we are again, we're kind of coming out of this pandemic time. And Yo-Yo shares such great insight about how to use this time to think about healing and where we want to be in this moment we've had to reflect. Yeah, I think it's important to hear these voices. And yeah, his message is pretty hopeful. And and it's always nice to hear from someone who has, you know, such a soulful kind of take on life, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it's a really special time to get to connect again with Yo-Yo Ma. So without further ado, let's get to the conversation with uh, Salesforce's Leah McGowan-Hare and Yo-Yo Ma. Hello, I am so honored to have with us today, well, with me, I dare call my dear friend, Mr. Yo-Yo Ma. Thank you so much for being here. Well, it's so great to see you, Leah. And I hope your cello playing child is doing well. And, <laughs> and I know they're going back to school, which is great. Yes. And it's so nice to be with the Salesforce team. Absolutely. I mean, last time we spoke, you were on Leading Through Change. It was in August 2020, deep in the middle of the pandemic, almost like a year ago. Yeah. How are you feeling now? You know, it's funny. Can you feel really good and bad at the same time? 
You know, I think this is one of those multitask thinking moments where there's a little bit of hope and there's a fair amount of worry. And we're thinking about, you know, some disasters averted, but also really thinking into the future. I want to know where the hope is, you know, whether it's systemic change for hope or it's, you know, different habits or personal habits or institutional habits. I'm thinking, what have we learned? And so there's the beginning of that, whereas before it was just like, let's get through the day and let's get through a house with full of children and how are we going to take care of them and make sure that nobody, you know, <laughs> nobody does something completely disastrous and being quite forgiving during all those moments. But then is there going to be a new norm? And my big question has to do with a term that I know I'm sure many people know, but I learned only fairly recently. It's a term in evolutionary biology called punctuated equilibrium. And it's just... Wait, it's very say simple. that word again. That's a big it is, word. It sounds like a very complicated thing. It's actually very simple because it basically talks about how usually change happens incrementally. Mm-hmm. But occasionally, there's big change that happens really quickly before things settle down to, again, a new norm with incremental change. Mm-hmm. So my question is, are we going through one of those phases yeah. and in our evolution as a society, as human beings, as, you know, individuals? And that's a question that remains to be seen. But I'm thinking about what is it that, how do we react to big change, fast change? We can't change incrementally, but what do we depend on during those moments? I know that you have relied on your family, because family, you know exactly what needs to happen from day to day. And I know that we can rely on values to try and stick to the truth, you know, and make sure that every relationship you have is a trusting one, because we can't afford to have any relationship that where trust is in doubt. And to know and to be generous in the sense that whoever needs help, we're there to serve, you know, What do you need? And that's sort of first response, right? Would you say that's true in your life? I would absolutely agree. I mean, I think if anything, this last year has made you really filter through and prioritize what really matters, right? Where have you been spending your time? And you did a lot of, because you were very still, because we literally could not go anywhere. So you had to do a lot of reflection on what is important to you and asking those things for yourself. What relationships honor trust and honesty and which ones are serving you and which ones are you serving, right? There was a lot of inventory taking over the last year. Did you do some of that? How would you say when you entered in 2020 and then how you came out, what's different than Yo-Yo Ma? Uh, Well, more old, more decrepit. (laughs) (laughs) And what did you say? (laughs) Besides that, besides that, uh, I would say that There's a fair amount of, as you said, you know, listening to oneself, silence and going deep within oneself, but then coming out, getting sustenance, as we talked about before, from trusted sources, you know, and giving much more of oneself because that actually gives meaning for one thing. You know, you feel like not helpless, but that you're doing something. And if you have food on your table, that's something to be really even more grateful for. But then if you have extra food, 
or whatever food means in, you know, metaphorically, you distribute it. I think that's one thing. And so systems aren't really going the way they normally go. And I think going into nature has been an amazing blessing in the sense that you're going into something that's we're actually part of, but sometimes we don't even think of it that we're part of it. So there's a term I just heard the other day that they use in Japan. It's called forest bathing. Now think about that. You go into the forest, you listen to the sound of the crackling twigs and trees and limbs and birds and and the sounds of the forest. You're bathing in the sounds and you actually get a certain kind of solace from that. It feels like that would be. I heard of the term moonlight bathing as well. Oh, also beautiful. Yes. Yes. Combine those two would be great. Mm -hmm. And so let's do that. Let's go walk in the the dark. (laughs) But I think one of the things that I know that when things were before the pandemic, 24-7, I'm involved with things to do with people and with society. But actually, you know, when we were teenagers, we ask ourselves, who are we and how do we fit in the world, right? We all go through some version of that. And as we get more advanced in our education and profession, sector, whatever, you focus more and more on the silos of precise problem-solving So we could be efficient in that because we're rewarded when we're efficient. Right. Right. But what I found out was during the pandemic, what gives meaning is the furthest thing from efficiency. Mm. Right. So if you make an omelet, it's not how fast you make it. Right. It's the process of what you go through. If you're sharing a meal, if you're saying something, all of this means more. And so there's a balance within my daily life that I'm thinking about. But then there's also the balance with actually acknowledging that it's not like, okay, I need to go take a hike or I need to go run and do this, but rather bathe in the moonlight, to bathe in silence, you know, to actually tactically feel that we are at one with nature and we're part of it, we partake in it and we give back to it. That's something that I feel that in all of my education, rarely, rarely emphasized. And yet- Do you feel like you've been communing with nature more over this past year? Thinking a lot more about it, because thinking about the health of our combined home, I think makes sense. But also, you know, according to this wonderful friend of mine used to say, nature has the greatest imagination of all. Hmm. She guards her secrets jealously. Wow. So, so it's not just communing, but but in fact, we do take incredible things. Look at the way we solved the vaccine thing. Yes. That's from nature and human nature right. combined in that science that we that got us and a huge amount of perseverance and great thinking. And it got us very quickly. far more quickly to a solution. And some people got to the solution. Some people were not good at distribution. Some people were great at distribution. So it's like, you know, systems become, they emerge as they say, okay, well, that you do well. This you didn't do as well. This you do, you know, not so well, but this you're fabulous at doing. And so 
that's a way of observing rather than say, well, this is just the way it is. And so what do we learn from that? So I'm thinking about that kind of thing. How does it affect my sector? I'm thinking, well, if it's access, then maybe sometimes, you know, music shouldn't be always in the four walls of a room. Mm. Maybe it can be outside, you know, makes me want to say, I want to work in our national parks as our sacred secular space where we can fall in love with our land again, where all of America can meet to get to know one another again without preconceived notions of one another. So here's the forest again, or the mountain, or the peak, where we can actually commune with one another and with nature to actually say, this is what's important. Right. And how you commune is up to you, whether it's through music, through dance, but it's the holistic perspective. Now, I want to jump for a moment about music. I read in one of your interviews that people were particularly fond of Bach's solo suites last year. Now, what music would fit the mood of the country these days? You know, uh, so it's so funny. I, I spend a lot of time thinking whether there's a national soul, you know, a soul of America. Maybe it's a metaphor, you know, because it's such a complex country, so many people. And I came across the metaphor of we're each a blade of grass in a very large field. So it's not melting pot, it's not salad, it's not mosaic, but it's something living. And we can look at it from the ground, looking at each blade. We can look at it from a hundred feet up and you watch, see the whole expanse. You could look at sections, you can look underneath and see what's sprouting from the ground. So I'm thinking if there is, you know, we have this from the many one, you know, this thing that we see, pluribus unum, you know, that's part of the DNA. And how do we achieve that in such a way that we can all be hopeful? I love the concept that we're all a blade of grass. I've heard it from we are all sands of the ocean beach, right? Right. We're all different pebbles, different sands, but collectively we are the entire beach. So another image of us coming together collectively. Mm -hmm. Um, But I'm with you on, we're not a melting pot, right? We all have uniqueness and it should be celebrated and appreciated and, and together it's just beauty. Well, you know, what's great is that I think part of it is, you know, our mind is fairly you know, the plasticity of what we can do. It used to be people saying that you have only so many neurons. <laughs> you, you you kill a couple thousand, you ain't never getting them back. You don't get no back. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas now we know that we can actually regrow things That's and we right. can rechannel things. And if you have a stroke, you can actually, you know, create new pathways. And I'm thinking that that kind of work is possible to do because that can be reformed through constructive habits. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. So, you know, so it's not an impossible task. The fractures we have are are not impossible. And what I've learned from traveling around the world and almost all indigenous cultures talk about seven generations. So imagine that, you know, we think what? Weekly, quarterly, yearly, seasonally, right? And few of us think decades. Right. What's your plan for the next 10 years? Well, seven generations is sort of my grandchildren turning 80 around the year 2100. And that's only three generations. 
And I'm not going to be around, but I'm thinking the one thing that gives us hope is that I think our young population that's digital natives have a different way of, you're younger than I am, so I count you as one of the young, <laughs> young ones. But compared to me, I'm not a digital native. I grew up thinking I had to have one job. You know, younger people don't think that, but they care a lot about how their whole life is put together, whether their work life, their consuming life, where they live, how they live. Their values are about the health of the planet. Right. And so where you work, better have something to do with it. And your commute, you know, if it's too much of a commute, well, you may try, you know, couples may switch off and do things, you know, well, now it's your turn to do that. It's, there's a different way of thinking. And I'm thinking that actually has lasting value. And I'm just wondering whether if we're at a punctuated equilibrium moment, whether it might make sense for people like me to actually seed and, you know, custodial responsibility for whatever you're responsible for and to try and accelerate that and give it towards younger people sooner than later. Yes. Instead of saying, wait your turn, look at what I had to go through. Right. Not to repeat that because that's not the moment to do that. Maybe right. 30 years ago, yes. But if we're at this change thing, we want people to actually take ownership over 50 years of work that says, okay, we, because we're gonna, we gotta make 50 year plans. And who can make 50 year plans? Politicians can't. Businesses can't really do that, right. but you could rely on a generation to do that. Right. And that's them coming together collectively and having a vision long-term. So it's not this me, me, me individual, but working collectively to create a plan that will serve a wider community than self. Speaking of serving communities and giving, you recently were vaccinated and played your cello in the impromptu in the waiting room. What inspired you to gift the people with your beautiful, beautiful talent? Well, I had my cello with me. <laughs> you brought your cello with you to get vaccinated. I love that. So, and someone asked because I couldn't leave it in a car because it's not insured if you leave it in a Right, car. right. So I had to take it in and someone asked, well, are you going to play? You know, I said, <laughs> sure, why not? My intention was to say, okay, I'm going to play for you guys because that's kind of silly. But I did have it. And knowing someone might ask, someone did ask. And I said, okay, great, I'm there, you know, Ugh. because that's what we do, right? Because that's what I can do, you know, right. vaccinate I, someone. You gifted those people. I'm sure they're like, oh my gosh, not only did I get vaccinated, but I sat in a waiting room and heard Yo-Yo Ma. Like you probably have changed someone's life. Look, listen, you know, I know lots of friends, fellow musicians who are doing that at all vaccine centers and doing that. You know, everybody's doing everything. Most people who have something that they can offer, you know, I think, and I'm hoping and crossing my fingers that they are in fact doing that. And if they're not, then they probably have a good reason why they're not, right. but they certainly will think about it again. Right, I mean, what's the point of having such gifts and talents if you aren't sharing it with the world? Right, that's right. And speaking of sharing gifts and talents with the world, I hear you're what? going to share a few with us before you do, I want to ask one last question. Sure. In this moment, tell me something you are grateful for. I'm grateful for my wife. We've been married 42 years. I've known her 50 years this summer. And my gosh, we've gone through so much. 
and losses and just so much. And she hasn't kicked me out yet. <laughs> and that's true. You know, I use it. It's like, sounds like a joke, but, but it's really true. I think in the 42 years I've been married, this is the most time we've ever, ever spent together without, you know, coming and going. So I am grateful for that moment, for that time, which we would not have had until way, way, way back further down the line. So thank you for that. And now I turn it over to you. I'd just like to read something that actually refers a little bit to what we were talking about, you know, like forest bathing and, and that stuff, because I'd like to read you this Emily Dickinson poem. This poem is hope is the thing of feathers that perches in the soul and sings the tune without the words and never stops at all. And sweetest in the gale is heard, and sore must be the storm that could abash the little bird that kept so many warm. I've heard it in the chillest land and on the strangest sea, yet never in extremity it asked a crumb of me. Oh, does it have to end? Does it have to end? <laughs> oh, beautiful, beautiful. Just chills, chills, chills. Oh, oh thank well, you. Thank you. We each have that capacity to find those spots that can give us sucker, comfort, and moments that we really, really need it. Just breathing, a breath can make a difference, and we need it. Everybody needs it. So, peace to all of you. Be safe. Take care of your children, as I know you do. Say hi to your son. I will. And hugs to your grandchildren. Thank you. Thank you. See you soon, all Bye. of you. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. That was Yo-Yo Ma in conversation with Leah McGowan-Hare from our Leading Through Change series. For insights into this topic and others, head over to salesforce.com blog for resources to help guide you through today's changing economic and social environments. I'm Michael Revo from Salesforce Studios. Thanks for joining us today. 